0: Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about how to stand out in the fitness industry. And not that we have it sorted and all together ourselves.
1: We're definitely still figuring things out, but we've definitely learned a lot over the last, I don't even know however many years, like maybe five, six years for me and maybe up close to 10 for you. Um, We've been in this industry for a little while now and so much has changed even in like just the years that we've been in. So we would love to talk today about some of the lessons that we've learned, some of the principles and mindset tactics I guess that we adopt. Um, And yeah, especially if you're new and up and coming, like how to make sure that you can stand out.
0: Yes. In a good way though, right? Like people can easily stand out in a way that doesn't serve them or their career. Um, which, you know, social media sort of does push people that way with a lot Mm. of misinformation or clickbait or clever marketing or just like crazy personality traits that's a bit like wolves. But you want to stand out in a way that's authentic to you, um, that doesn't allow you to get lost in what social media is or what expectations on personal trainers are. Um, And particularly Mm. sort of this time of the year, a lot of people or stereotypically get quiet over December, clients go away, they might go away, and then it does start to ramp up in January. But we'll touch on this later and it doesn't actually mean that, you know, you can't get clients over the holiday period because you certainly can, but traditionally the new year, new me, awesome crowd comes in, trainers Mm. are back, gyms are pumping, advertising's through the roof, um, so we're going to give you some tips based on personal experience and, you know, what we do in order to stand out amongst the noise, because mm. you can already feel it's getting pretty noisy out there. Oh, it really is. And I was saying to Danny the other day, like, I've
1: only been in business, like, with the Women's Health Movement launched last November. And prior to that, like, I was doing some coaching with Sherelle Grant Fitness before I rebranded, but it was during COVID. Um, and the market is just so different now, even 12 months ago, like the fitness industry and like the health and fitness market, it moves like at a rapid pace. So, uh, even the marketing that you might've been doing 12, 24 months ago, it's redundant now. Like it's important to sort of move with the times and sort of, you know, get on the new things and you can really see the people that don't and they get left behind. So it's important to know that, You know, the last, I don't know, maybe three to four years haven't been normal in any industry uh, because of COVID. And I think we're coming at the back end of it now where people are stepping away from screens and people are like driving towards more connection pieces. And even um, people's goals have really changed when it comes to health and fitness just because of COVID. So everything's just shifted right? And it's a it's a permanent shift, I feel. It's not something that's going to go back. Hopefully, when I go back into lockdown, I'll have bloody melt- meltdown. <laughs> um, but things have shifted, right? And that's why it's really important when it comes to like standing out in the fitness industry, um, whether you're a coach yourself or a business owner in person, online, whatever you do, uh, working with people, it's all about standing out and having a point of difference. Because at the end of the day, we all deliver nutrition and training, right? that's what it is. So you have to be a point, you have to have a point of difference for people to actually want to come to you, your service, your brand, who you are um, to get those pieces.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you did mention sort of over the past 12 months of you being with uh, Women's Health Movement or starting that, it's different, but I'm curious Aside from the points that you kind of mentioned about less screen time and things, what else have you noticed around changes from the client point of view, but then also marketing, so to Mm. speak?
1: I feel as though even 12 months ago, maybe 18 months ago, when I was starting coaching, I looked around and I didn't see many people really tackling the mindset space in a good way. Um, or even the education space in a good way, there was a really big divide between coaching and mentoring. And when I was coming in with coaching, I was like, I feel like I'm doing a little bit of both. But traditionally, a lot of people like, you can't do both well. Whereas now I'm actually seeing that the consumer or the clients are expecting so much more from coaching, right? Like a customized training program is an expectation now. Like a good nutrition is an expectation. It's not an advantage, right? Whereas it used to be. It used to be easy because there was a lot of shit out there, whereas, like, everyone's getting better and smarter, and that's just the way it is. Businesses are improving. Um, the consumers are knowing what a good structured program is. They're ex- they've had online coaching in the past. You know, they've done the rodeo. They know what uh, to expect, and they also know what good service is and what good service is not. So I think people are smarter and they're not being taken for a ride. The expectations are in line with where they probably should be, in my experience. And if you're not delivering and innovating and offering more than the status quo of just customized training and nutrition, you're going to be left behind. So mm. that's what I've noticed. And I've noticed a lot of other people shifting um to offer a little bit more. And I think it's important to offer good value. You don't have to offer everything. In fact, you shouldn't, because you can't, right? Like you, if you think you're going to do everything and be a one-stop shop as a one-person show. Like that's also has issues, but I've just seen the dynamic um, shift a lot in terms of what people are after, uh, but then also what people are advertising, marketing, delivering, and selling. One other thing I've noticed a lot actually is people saying they do one thing on the outside. A lot of clients get in and they are smart. They realize that it's not. They go, oh, they said there was community here. Where's the community? Well, they said that mm. there's education here. Where's the education? So I think that's where we're at at the moment where all of a sudden people are going, okay, consumers need more. I'm going to market more. But then they're sort of failing on the deliverables um, yep. and then they're going to, clients are going to move on. So I think that's where actually we are at the moment and I, I sort of, encourage other coaches and stuff to be cautious as well. Like don't just market things that you think you've done a subpar job of adding in. Like you have to be really confident in what you're
0: marketing. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Absolutely. And I think you're you're spot on. And Particularly the kind of people that do come to us as well. I think um, just because we've been doing this for so long and the way we market ourselves, they do expect top-tier service um, with education, with all of that. Um, But, I mean, you still do get those newbies who really don't know what they don't know. So I feel like there's definitely the two pools Mm. of people, the ones that have been hanging around so long. They've tried different coaches. They've spent hours studying and doing the work and then they really want that top tier service. Um, but then you also get the newbies who don't even know what that is. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, we we don't see too many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also a, a link on, you know, um, where our, our eyes are and who we talk to and take on board. But I've definitely noticed that people are becoming smarter. But I've also noticed that people are getting sort of sucked into the, the quick, not quick fix, but one answer to everything. They kind of almost expect too much they expect their problems to be solved by one person and this has to be the way and like tell me the secret but you know they they are forgetting that it takes back and forth like communication and um pivoting and changing nutrition protocols and you know um changing your training plan as well according to where you're at so that's that real personalized service um, but then we as we always say, I think it is important to set those expectations early, particularly as a coach, we've all been in a position where we are undercharging and over delivering and that's yeah. that's good. You don't want it to be the opposite where you're overcharging and under delivering. But then as a coach's point of view, you need to really recognize your worth and if you are giving that person everything, That you promised and and it's spending hours with them and you're really unlocking everything with them. Make sure you charge accordingly because there's an um, inundation of online clients or influx. I don't know, is inundation even a word? It can be now. (laughs) but there's an influx of clients coming in, which is great, but I'm noticing that people are are really taking on too much. So you kind of see that breakdown from the coach's perspective because they are too scared to up their prices or they just want to keep over-delivering to everyone and it's really not good either Um, and that's a little bit of a tangent there, but I suppose... You can stand out in a way that is sustainable. And that's what we want to say today. Like you don't have to always give everything if you're undercharging, you know, refer out, don't wear all the hats. Okay. There are ways around it. You do want to be amazing at what you do, but then you have to also look after yourself. Mm. Um, I think that's very important.
1: Absolutely. I think with, uh, with coaches in general as well and personal trainers, like hustle culture just doesn't work because we, like health and fitness is, uh, and self-care is a massive resource for us. So if we're going to hustle, 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 business mindset and let our health, fitness and self-care and sleep and all the other things dwindle, well, that impacts how we show up as a coach, right? Whereas if you put that um, hustle culture on someone else in corporate or whatever, they probably thrive from it because that's actually the reinforcement that they need to feel like they they're doing a good job. Whereas for us, a lot of us get into this industry because of course we like helping people, but it's also something that we're passionate and interested about. And we like, we understand we've usually achieved something from those areas and we want to be able to give that to other people. So you see it all the time. There's so many burnt out coaches out there and it's ridiculous. Um It's ridiculous because they're like, you're on the screen and you can hear them. You can hear them like they're saying, you know, do all the stuff, but then they're not doing it as well. And it's sort of like, that that doesn't last for long. Do you know what I mean? And I think this episode today I don't want to scare people or anything but the economy is not in a stable place Mm -hmm. right and the the fittest will survive in the next five to ten years it's just the way it is right we're going to go through a recession um they always last you know 12 24 months um and you need to be able to make sure that you have this sort of like um this brand or this reputation or the stability um in your business and who you are and your lifestyle and how you are at the point Now, whether it's like retention with clients or whatever it might be, um, and it's really important to hang on to all those other things. So standing out, having a point of difference, knowing who your clientele is, delivering on what you said you're going to, uh, and therefore being able to market and sell authentically. All those things are absolutely vital if you want to still be doing uh, the business or the job or whatever it is that you're currently doing in five to ten years' time because we've had a lot of inflation online because of COVID, and that's really important to understand is like, that was up. And now we're just coming back to probably like just below the mean um, and we'll hover there for a while. And a lot of small coaches and businesses are going to get washed away over the next three to five years. I can see it coming. It's already happening to a lot of people. Um, So yeah, really important to be able to stand out and really make your imprint uh, no matter where you're starting from.
0: Yes. And one thing that we think that people have sort of taking for granted is the benefit of creating genuine connections with your community, with your clients, whether it be mm. online, whether it be out on the gym floor if you're a trainer, you know, get to know people. People aren't just numbers. And we always say that people can get fixated on how many followers do i have? How many clients do i have? But then the more you take on, if you can't handle it, if you're scaling too big too quick, then the mm. service diminishes. And it is so much easier to create that relationship and then keep them as long term clients. And as you grow as a coach and are able to deliver new products to them, they're the ones that are likely going to stay on board with you because you've already made that connection. Mm. And it just feels nice. It actually just feels nice to connect with people. So I definitely am noticing, um, even at our gym, a lot more people are just coming to hang out. Mm. Like we all really missed that connection. So they literally just come and it's hard when you want to work there sometimes, but they're not in work mode. They're just there to train, hang out, have have that connection there. So coaches are getting very lost in how many views am I getting? How many likes am I getting? Um, oh my God, I've only got, you know, 10 sessions a week or five sessions, but yeah, spend the time with them, get their mm. testimonials, you know, help them help you. That's a big point that I just wanted to reiterate because it is getting lost um, as social media is growing, as everything is becoming more fast paced. So just, yeah, really spend time making great connections. Mm. I think one of the biggest principles when it comes to
1: coaching as well is, especially if you're looking at quality service, um, not quantity. uh, If you're looking at quality you should be niching down and sort of like catering to a specific type of person as well. And you need to think of your social platforms like that too. You know, if you're niching down uh, in your business, you're probably niching down in your marketing, which means you're probably niching down on social media, which means that your, you know, your followers and your niche is actually getting refined. Um, so if you're like you know, going, losing followers, not growing at the pace that you want to, like attracting different sorts of people. Like don't worry so much about the actual number. Like what you said, Danny, people that aren't interested are going to unfollow you and that's a good thing. You actually want that. You want to niche down. You want to get clearer with your message. You want to be more specific about what you know um, about the type of clientele that you're speaking to. And, of course, like it's it's not going to be generalised to the public, right? There's certain things like fashion and music where everyone understands um but when we're in health and fitness coaching and we're being really specific with who we're talking to your message should not resonate with everyone and the saying goes like speak to everyone means you speak to no one or if you're trying to speak mm-hmm. to everyone you actually speak to no one um and that's the reality if you're going if but then like to oh it depends all the time like you're sitting on the fence it's boring as batshit to listen to <laughs> from an engagement point of view um, but you're you're not resonating with anyone yeah. Right, and you should be collecting so much data when you talk to your people, um, whether it's like in clientele interviews or online. They should go, man, that piece of content. Like, I just know that this is your value, and that's what you stand for. i I followed you for long enough. I sort of think this and this and this. Like, you you do the marketing for you. So, refining down that piece. Like, don't let the total number of hierarchy. Um, get to you like when I was transitioning even from competing to obviously what I'm doing now one of the main metrics that I looked at was like my percentages of men to women like I only work with women so I'm sort of like you know the amount of followers that you get when you compete just because you look a certain way is a lot, guys. It's a lot. It's not mm. helpful for business, though. Um, it, it would obviously depends on what business you're. Depends running. what
0: business. <laughs> if you've got a link in your God, bio, yeah, you know, fiery
1: link in bio. Um, <laughs> yes, but that like you know you've got to be mindful of your total metrics. It's like mm. if you were looking at progress and just looking at your body weight. It's one, it's one metric. It's not telling you your body composition, what that weight's made up of. Like, It's, it's not showing anything else. So you need to be looking at your followers um, like that too. And I know people can get so lost in it, but when you reframe it and go, actually, I'm condensing it, I'm refining it, um, which means I'm actually getting clearer about my message and and all those things as well. Like I think that's helpful for people rather than feeling like you're just a losing battle. Because if you just mm. constantly compete on number of followers,
0: fuck, it's a depressing thing to worry about. It's never ending right you can it's it's unlimited and I did actually say that to you I think it was well it would have been I don't talk to too many other people no um (laughs) about over the Christmas period I wasn't posting as much but I posted more like family stuff and and I lost like a fair amount it's all relative but I lost a fair amount of followers and then I'm like oh shit I told you and you're like but good first thing you said good and I'm like you know what Yes. And I I did look at the insights as well. I don't check often, but um, the male to women ratio is nearly even, which it's taken me so long because originally it was literally like 20% female when I was competing and 80% male, which it is what it is, Mm. but I just don't want to imagine why. Um, And now it's evening out. So it's like, you know what, this is me. This is my life. Um, I ha- we're transitioning in our mm-hmm. life, so if we're gonna stick mm-hmm. in one box forever, then people will notice that as well, and you're not growing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I want to start to post little snippets of actual personal life and 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 all of that, which I know you've been I started smiling. Um, but with that, I know will come a different audience, but I think that that's nice. Like Mm. I want to be able to one day have kids and then showcase that a little bit and things like that. It's, um, I'm trying to prevent like a boring dead end with social media. It's like, Mm. it's actually easier to post a little bit about your personality rather Mm. than just feeling like you always have to be placed in a certain box. 100%. And I also think it's really important from a creative perspective, because I know people
1: where all they can post about is training and they get in ruts and they get like depressed with it because how fucking boring, no offense, but like how (laughs) boring. If I could only speak about a squat, like I know, like that would be the end of my career because even in coaching, like I I don't just talk about nutrition and training because I just think it's so, so official and like the reason why we get into nutrition and training is stems far deeper so to actually get change we also need to have context and understanding about those pieces too so of course it's not for everyone but i sort of think longevity wise like you said if you want if you're having children if you're on holiday like you actually want to feel like it's your instagram not your businesses right like it's yours it's you it's who you are you want to be able to share that you also want your people to see like, you know oh you know danny's away Right. She's having a good time. I love that. Look, I'm not going to bother her, right? Like they get to (laughs) you, your situation and they're more understanding. And I've always thought as well, like interests make you interesting. You know, you don't have to compete or you don't have to do these things to actually, you know, build a brand. You just have to have interests outside because people can't relate to just the business person in you. They want to know that you go swimming on the weekend or that you go to the beach with your partner or that, you know, you go out for dinner too and you have some drinks and you have girlfriends. They want to know this sort of stuff because it's actually what makes you interesting throw a random hobby in there and you even get bonus points.
0: <laughs> yeah. Learn how to fly helicopters and then you're, you're soaring. Planes. So, or planes, planes. sorry. <laughs> planes, 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 planes. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're so right. And that relatability from a business point of view as well. People trust. And, you know, there's a reason why there are reality TV shows. You sit there and watch other people's lives. Yeah. For a reason. You want to yep. get to know people. What are they doing? Like, yeah. how did they get from, from A to B? Like, tell yeah. me about it. And I think that's really cool. But um, you you have to be prepared to get vulnerable with that one for sure, which once you nail it, like I think you and I actually, like we care still a little bit, obviously, because we're human, but mm-hmm. we've definitely overcome the the need to feel perfect on social I mean. media. And it is so much easier once you get over that. And I think the longer that you're doing this, like, and the longer that you're doing
1: everything or anything, you understand that it's ebbs and flows. Like, whether it's social media, you're going to have times that you're growing, times that you're regressing, times that nothing's happening, times that you love it, times that you hate it, times that it's neutral. Like, you're always going to have these things. Um, But when you zoom out, like, what is a month in the grand scheme of, like, your career or your business? It's not much, right? Like, it's about the longevity and everything. So, knowing there's ebbs and flows like there is with training, like, it's just really important because it's going to allow you to take the pressure off yourselves that you've always got to be growing, always got to be excelling.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So, don't lose that focus just on the social media side, particularly as an online coach. Spend mm. time actually enhancing your business. Like um, film new videos, write new programs, read new studies on nutrition or work on your mindfulness to then teach your clients beautiful habits. It's not just about the entry point. Mm. people, Because it's you get short-term validation on Instagram and yes, or any social media. And yes, it feels nice and we want that and we connect to friends, but don't forget to actually work on your business uh-huh. because people talk. If your marketing is great and your business, you know, there are loopholes, people will talk. So one of the best ways to stand out is by actually doing a great job or do your best job for uh-huh. your clients and then they will talk and that will grow. People love telling people about their trainer my trainer I see this person I do this kind of training and they all talk and and the organic way of growing um and I've, I've focused more on that obviously being in the gym and and doing a bit more hands-on work that way um you know nothing beats it one person can have one conversation and then they sign on then their friend signs on and, and it just flows Absolutely.
1: I think um like reputation, right? Like a lot of people really underestimate like word of mouth. And I think as well, it's probably even more important, right, when you're an in-person trainer. If you're on a coach on a gym floor, you don't have the world as your oyster. You have a, a community or you have like, um you know, you're relying on the people around you, right? Like and you'd know this with the gym, obviously, but you only have X amount of people that you can really reach or service and obviously their friends, their network is really important so if you give deliver a good service there, then, of course, they're going to speak and tell their friends, and that's how reputation really builds. And they're not going to talk about, honestly, they're not going to talk about, oh, Danny has the best cues, like ever. Like, you know, she, she has the best cues. They're not, they're gonna be like, Danny's a really good person. Like, she makes the hour go fast. I feel comfortable. I feel confident with her. I've improved so much. Like, they're gonna talk like that. They're not gonna talk the specifics that so many people spend so long worrying about. And we're so big at like, you know, communication skills and all those pieces as well, which is just so undervalued when it comes to coaching. And obviously, everyone, like, we had that period of time where we didn't have to use it as much um we all went online etc but like it's we're back to normal now and it's important to prioritize those things just as much as your service because that's how you really can stand out um, Mm. as a good coach is having fantastic communication skills getting people to come back and want to come back to see you again because people don't buy coaching they buy coaches
0: Yeah, yeah. And I have noticed that, I suppose, um, you know, you and I, we know the science behind things. We know cues and all of that. And there's a level that we, and particularly with like United Health, that's more sort of educational. So I do portray that side of it, but that's for a a tiny niche. Um, But then sort of in the general schemes of things, people want to feel that you've solved their problem. As you said, they're not going to say, wow, those cues were amazing. It's like, wow, they were fun to be around. They actually connected. They weren't on their phone when training me. They looked into my eyes. They were down and having a look at my movement or, you know, yep. and and that's what people do remember as well as having fun as well. But mm-hmm. it's not about how smart you sound. It's about doing doing it in a way that solves their problems without mm-hmm. being overwhelming. So the what do you say? The minimum effective dose always, and they love it people mm-hmm. love that but it's definitely forgotten um and I did want to ask you around your opinion on marketing this time of the year December Jan some people say don't bother what's your opinion on this mm.
1: yeah it is interesting I mean friggin' out. it's January there's another 12-week challenge being launched like every day the gyms are nuts like I went yesterday no super sets for me I was no. like I might just train at home now like I Like I said, this is actually new for me. One, because I've never had this time of the year off, um, I've always worked. Obviously, last year was a bit of a write-off, to be honest. We are just coming out of COVID. We just launched. so I don't even know if I was training consistently or whatnot. <laughs> um, and then prior to that, every Christmas and New Year's, I've actually worked on the hospital. So I never oh. really had this time of the year off um, when everyone else is off. So the gyms are nuts, and I can see it now. I, I feel like I'm <laughs> actually seeing the, the manifestation of, like, everyone just New Year, New Me sort of mentality. So it's so interesting in the marketplace at the moment, as I mentioned, like everyone's going really hard um January February so there is that like yes new year new me wave that you can jump on and sort of market yourself towards because obviously people are more motivated but I honestly think even for us like I, like we've only got like 12 to 18 months of data that we've been collecting, but it's so interesting and it's, it's unique to every business as well. Like you need to be collecting your own data to, to know like leads, transfers, like all that sort of stuff. It's going to be so different from me to you, to Danny, to whatever. Um, But I already know from our last sort of 12 to 18 months that I'm like, I don't know if I would market so hard in January and February this time next year. I reckon. You're better off going at the back end because everyone says no one buys in December, no one buys in um, November. But I'm like, they were actually really good months for us because I didn't have any influence from anyone else to be like, oh, no, January, you know, like January, wait till January. And now I'm like, I don't, I call bullshit. Like I think people should be just as motivated to change November, December. And that's actually a really good selling point being like, oh, you're doing that like all in thing again, you know, and that's actually what we're not about. You know, like I don't want you to wait till Monday. I don't want you to wait till the 1st of January. Like it's actually a good opportunity like to change people's mentality of being all in or perfect to just consistent and being like, well, this is a lifestyle. This isn't an eight week challenge, Um, and if that's what you want, it's not here, you know? And I think, I think they're the actual clients that you want. It's different if you're running challenges, like, of course you're going to do January, but if you're doing coaching, Right, It's different. You actually want people to feel invested. You want to change their mindset. You want them to be um, with you for a long time so they can get change. You want retention. You don't want them to come in eight and 12 weeks. You definitely don't want that. You want six to 12 to 24 months to really be able to change someone's life. We all know that. So I I don't think there's a right or a wrong time. It's going to be context to your business uh, as well. And the Type of values and marketing and branding that you do. If your business name is Summer Shred, you, you <laughs> know what I mean? Like it's going to be context to <laughs> your business. Um, but that's my perspective of the yeah. online. I'm not sure whether you've got a different opinion from online or in person.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, the Summer Shred people, there is still a market for that, but it is way more surface level. I feel like if you are surface level, you will end up spending more time into your service anyway. I think personally the goal should be to be able to charge a premium and really get amazing results with the number of clients that's comfortable for you rather than the the scalable surface level repetitive look time and place for both but I think long game Mm. charge more you'll have like better results with your clients and more time for yourself more time for hobbies to grow a business so Well, those who who are sort of at the surface level, scalable um, programs, you will be fighting more with the general marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, how to stay on track during Christmas or New Year, you know, New May, all of that traditional marketing, but it's a bit washed out. You know, I feel like those people still have to use it because they're the kinds of clients who will jump on those short challenges. But you will be competing more with everyone who's saying the same message. Mm. And it is getting very washed out and people actually are getting a bit sick of hearing it. 100%. Um, so if you want to really charge a premium and give that, you know, that first class or business class um coaching, then there's less competition around December Jan because you will stand out more because all of the other noise they're fighting against each other. So if you want to really stand out, I think whatever your authentic message is will get heard as well. A smaller number of people, yes. Um but it doesn't mean that they won't be there. People are on holidays. Mm-hmm. I noticed so many more walk-ins in the gym and inquiries because people finally had time off to go explore gyms and they wanted to to have a look at what was around their local area or they could actually travel a bit further and have a look. So we had way more walk-ins coming in in December and Jan, which surprised me. Again, that's quite new to me that side of it. Um and even online, like I wasn't mm-hmm. really marketing that much, but you still get the people who are like, "Yep, Finally, I'm ready to make that change. Um, so people being on holidays, not everyone goes away. So there are people on holidays who finally have time to sit in their own space and go, yep, I'm ready to make a change. So mm-hmm. um, I did find that if I was selling a, a scalable product like the app for example um or even though that you can't really compare that to an 8 week challenge but if i was selling something more scalable i probably wouldn't do it in december jan mm. because there are companies out there who are spending millions and millions of dollars on on their marketing as well for christmas For new years. So I probably wouldn't compete with that on a scalable product, but yeah, there's no reason why if you're giving that business class service that you should not um, expect clients in December and January. Yep. Absolutely. It's definitely a limiting belief. And I also have a bit of a belief that
1: coaching shouldn't be scalable, right? Like it's sort of like coaching shouldn't be scalable to a certain point. Like people with like, I don't know, coaching businesses that have like thousands of clients, nuts to me. I'm like, how do you make that work? And a lot of the times, you know, I deal with the inquiries afterwards. It's like, oh, I went with this person and, you know, it's like, well, no shit. Like you paid like nothing for it. What do yeah. you expect? So I think um, we're probably not speaking to those people anyways, but if you're going to do something scalable, it needs to probably be in the form of software or an um, ebook or an app. It needs to be in that form because trying to scale your time is just like shooting yourself in the foot. Like it's, you can't scale a service as well as you can scale software um, or something that's like intellectual property online, for example. So it's always really important to do that. And I know um, some people wear the amount of clients they've got, like a freaking status or a badge of honor. And I'm like, the fact that you have a hundred clients just tells me that you probably don't service them very well. Um, and depending on what you do, etc. obviously Danny and I both have in the mind of like premium coaching as well. So if You know, if you're someone that's like, yeah, I just wanted to do like just nutrition for one person and and training for this. And I always also discourage a lot of people to do that. I think have one product, one service, one package, one thing, do it really well, get exceptionally good at it because how many clients can you really have as one coach you know like i don't know 30 to 40 at a max you're probably going to cater for um wouldn't you rather than 30 to 40 really good paying clients so you can give full attention to that instead of 60 to 100 like oh this one's giving me 30 bucks and that like it just it's just i don't know it's backwards business to me i think you're better off having like a a good premium service and then if once you fill that up you're doing really well good reputation good brand like you're getting good at what you do then you funnel down and go okay i've got too much demand like that's what we should be really doing. Once you get to a point, you've got too much demand. That's when you scale. You don't scale because you want to, you scale because you have to. And that's when you build the next thing because you actually just want to help more people, right? And I know a lot of people don't think like that. They just guys want to make more money. Yeah, That's the way they think. They don't think, oh, I've got too much demand. I can't help everyone. What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. They think, okay, well, I've got five clients now I'm gonna scale and i'm like what who told you that like <laughs> what are you listening to so i think if you're a coach it's one thing and if you're an online coach and in-person trainer you've got a cap on your time you know it's really important to get so clear about the problem that you're solving for who and and how you're doing it and being the best at it like get really good because once you get really good at it you're like I am the best, you know, and then you don't even have to worry about sales because you know you're the best. So it's so much easier to be able to tell other people that you're the best and you've got the, the solution to their problem as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely nailed that. And it feels nice to be confident in your abilities as a coach because mm. you, me, any coach, if we take on too many people, we will not be the best at what we do. And, and that is guaranteed. So, yeah um you have to play the long game with these clients and i i catch out a lot of um or i did catch out a lot of the new trainers at the gym you know we haven't had a new one jump on for a little while now but at the start i'm like sorry how's everything going and they're like yeah i've only got xyz sessions a week and only just they would always downplay everything like i think mm. because the the new people who are in the industry now came into it with social media and, and all those expectations, so. I really had to start catching them out on their language. I'm like, it's not just five clients. I go, they are five humans who are trusting you to help them. Like, it's not just. Don't say, I'm only doing this, Mm. I'm just doing that. Like, the internal language, and and I'm sure I used it, the internal language is so powerful and you can really just see the the super high expectations that these newbies have on themselves. Mm. It's like, even if you have one client, which we all have started with one client, FYI, make sure that is the best service that you give and then it it does grow. But Mm. know when to put a cap on it yeah know when to stop growing because it is not worth the extra money when you're super stressed. people are talking bad about your service, you know, they people coach hop all the time. You don't want people to to be spreading that message about you because it takes years to build your reputation and seconds to ruin it. So really yep. just think about how many clients can I realistically take on without diluting the quality. Mm, absolutely. and,
1: if you think about it like if you've got 5 to 10 clients if all of if those 5 to 10 clients told one friend about you You've doubled your business. You've doubled your revenue. So it's really important to not get lost in that because when we live from a scarcity mindset, we make poor decisions. We make poor decisions because they're based off money. Whenever we make a decision that's based off getting more money, it's the wrong one. So it's really important to not have yourself in that mindset. And it starts from, like you said, Danny, the internal language that you use around those pieces um, because you're not trying to convince anyone into sort of working with you, right? Like it's an opportunity. That they're getting so it's all in the language and the way that you actually pose it to others but one of the biggest things is like just paving your own path in the industry like it's so important to make sure that you can stand out because as i said if you offer everything to everyone like you you're you're going to run into a wall and everyone starts doing that by the way like everyone's like i'm launching my new thing it's customized training and nutrition it's, that that's gone that's no longer like I said you get away with that a few years ago because that was sort of like well wow, like that's that's new customized nutrition and training whereas now that's an expectation as a coach it's a little bit different you need to be offering a little bit more and when I say more it's not necessarily in deliverable tangible things it can be well more is the the brand that I'm bringing to it it's the reputation it's my experience like more can be more it doesn't have to be oh, I better do more because I'm one of them it's like i'll make it more valuable add this this and this and all of a sudden it's like freaking christmas tree and it's (laughs) too much and all of a sudden you're over delivering and that's not helpful either you want to be able to really refine what you're doing um and make sure that you're delivering these core pieces and they are freaking good right there's nothing worse than deliver like saying you're going to do something and being let down like i've definitely been a client where being like disappointed and you remember that like i would rather people say oh we don't actually do that you know like we don't do that um Blah, blah, blah. And one of the big things actually that I do is like I don't do posing. I do not do posing. I prep girls, um, but I do not do posing. And I say that to them like, look, I can help you, but I already know that I'm not going to be the best. You need to go to a posing coach. It's a whole nother service. Um, it's it's a whole nother, like it's it's double sort of. And if I were to do that, like it just wouldn't be helpful. So I can look at your body. I can do that really well. I can prep your body. You need someone to co- like choreograph your routine and everything elsewhere. Whereas a lot of people, they try and do it all. And, and that's so fine. I know there's really successful coaches that offer posing as well, but it's part of their sales, part of their pitch, part of their package, part of their expertise. Um, If you can't do something, please put your hand up and say, not my specialty. Um, Here's someone that you can go to. And all of my clients that do prep, they work with an external posing coach and they hear nothing but good raves about it. Like they have a really good experience because they get high level services from the things that they're getting rather than like subpar um, stuff across the board. And if someone's trying to do everything, that's usually what you're going to get, right? Unless they've got 10 clients, um and you're paying like a shitload
0: of money that's really the only way it's going to work exactly posing for example as you mentioned is a whole nother business in itself so it's like do you want to be a, a comp prep coach a nutrition coach a posing coach like it really depends and we're You and I set the bar very high. So we're talking if you want to be the best possible version of what you're delivering, you definitely cannot do it all. So that is a great message there. And people genuinely feel cared for when you say, hey, that's not my area of expertise, but so-and-so is great. Tell them I sent you and they'll look after you. Like people, Mm. I love that when when people are honest. You just hate when everyone's trying to please everyone and be everything and then it just dilutes it. So that is a great message there. And on the back end, as you said, pave your own path. So when you're starting out, yes, you learn from so many other people. But as your confidence grows and time goes on, don't be afraid to try something different, whether it be a different way of posting on social media, a different style of of, um, coaching and delivering your message. I mean, we've both definitely done that. You with um, the women's health movement and really bringing your expertise from midwifery into what coaching was. Like you were definitely the first one to do that. Um, I have my own way of of being a traditional hands-on therapist without touching a patient, you know, no one was doing that either. But you take little bits and pieces from what you've learned from other people and just pave your own way. And that is what allows you to be the authority. But It doesn't mean that we don't get the same limiting beliefs that come up Mm. and all the same thoughts. We definitely get that, but it's just about knowing, well, I could play it safe and be like everyone else or I can just go in this direction, you know, that is led a little bit by your heart as well and your intuition and just make up your job. I can't wait to tell my kids you can make up whatever job you want. Obviously, you need certain qualifications for certain Mm. jobs, but, like, no one like when we sit, sat in the coordinator's office i think year 10 for me maybe 9 10 for you as well instagram wasn't there there was no way that i would sat down and say miss so and so i'm going to i'm going to do this you know mm. and and this is my job. There was no way in hell. It was just a little A4 piece of paper with some we did a personality test and I was meant to be an office worker or some bullshit like that. So you can literally create a job out of anything you want. Mm. I want people to realize that because it's so amazing.
1: Absolutely. I um I finished that book Rich Dad Poor
0: Dad. Oh yes. Other what day. did you think? Wow. Well. <laughs>
1: Honestly, like I won't get into it because it's a whole other podcast in itself. But, yeah, my perspective on things has just shifted over the last couple of years in just unimaginable ways. I feel like I found another world. Um, Yeah, I won't get into it. But it's important to know that you're – options are endless right and like luke and i talk about this all the time like obviously i came from a nursing healthcare background luke came from teaching we are that traditional mold um that we just lived in that world right and we just went to work we earned money we come home we looked forward to holidays um and don't get me wrong like i liked my job you know luke liked his job um, but you can love your job like you can love it it makes me sad when people are like you know Oh, you know, just go to work. It makes me sad because I know the opportunity that's there for a lot of people, um, and it just wasn't there. Like you said, even ten years ago, it just really wasn't there. Uh, it's only really just coming up now where people can really create what they want to do. So it gives you that that nuanced place to be able to really pave your path based off your own interests and your own experiences. And I also think that you have to do the hard yards at the start. Do you know what I mean? Like freaking out I grinded for like a long time in another industry, you know. So it's not that you don't do, doing the time is like, important, but it doesn't have to be the way you think it is, right? It can be in another, like in a series of ways that you won't even understand until later in life. In hindsight, we look back and go, huh, okay, I understand now. So paving your own path looks different. And I think if you've just got that moral compass piece of knowing, okay, I'm going to pave my path. I don't know why, but I have to do this at the moment. And i look back on everything that I've done being like, all that led to this, like all of that led to this now. So I'd never change anything, anything. Even if I read all those books earlier in life, I'd never change anything because I think it's really important to have those experiences, lived experiences, because you can only gain so much through a book. And I think a lot of people go wrong. They do an online course, they do a book or they get a mentor and they go, oh, yeah, I'm 22 and I have life experience and I've become a life coach. (laughs) It's like, no, you don't, sweetheart. Like you haven't lived it, right? You haven't lived it. You have to go through it. You have to mature through it. And like... I even think back like there was when I was like 24 and I thought I knew everything, right? Like delivering babies, I was not ready. Um, But you grow up really quick when you have life experience. You know, you get punched in the face and you get back up and you do the things again. And all those things prepare you for being able to cop it, right? And I say this lightly, but... Fucking being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, being a founder, having ideas, you get punched in the face nine times out of 10. Like (laughs) nine times out of 10, it won't go to plan. And people need to hear that because they get so disappointed. Like maybe this is number eight you got one more punch and then you're going to win. Yeah. So, like, just handle the punch when you're paving your own path because sometimes you can be like, fuck, I thought that would go well or, you know, I thought this was the right direction or, you know, I felt really good about that. And that's okay, like sitting in it for five minutes and I've got that five-minute rule where I'll, I'll sook about it, I'll complain, I'll go, that sucks, I'll complain to Luke and then I'm like, all right, that's done, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not sitting in it for any longer. If you want to get on and, you know, to pave your path, it's like you got to be really fierce and consistent with it. You can't be deflated and sit down every time something goes wrong. You're not going to make progress doing that. That's what 95% of the world does, right? And that's why they come to you for help. You know, you're the 5% that's like, I'm not going to settle for that. And, you know, neither of us have done that. We've been like, I demand more from my life and I demand more of myself. Um, and when we demand more, we create more. And that's the mentality that we really have to get in to actually stand out.
0: Absolutely love that so much. I think there still is benefit of working for someone else, you know, being in that traditional mold, as you said, because you do learn in your words, how to get punched in the face. You know, you learn resilience, you learn that you don't get participation awards for absolutely everything you do. Like sometimes you are a loser, (laughs) but it's like, can you keep going when it's hard? Because if you are truly reaching your potential, things have to be hard. Um, as you've said, um, to me off air as well, like if people are just cruising through life, imagine all the extra potential that they're not tapping into. So you do need to experience that hardship. But then you don't have to have it forever, you know, once you've sort of copped enough punches and you can have that beautiful realisation. And I had it through books as well. I started reading a lot of mindset books and people who were challenging the traditional mould that I thought was the way of life, you know, you grow up, you go to school and then high school, university, work in an office, try and climb the food chain. You know, a lot of the movies that I would watch had that, Um, the sexy office girl and I don't know, like all of those things, New York with their Mm. coffee, taxis running around but you do have that realization from whatever you're exposed to and you can realize hang on a minute my life can be anything that I want and and I'll never forget that moment and you've sort of mentioned you had it again after reading um the Robert Kiyosaki book it's like you see the world from a from a different set of eyes and it's really Amazing, but scary because Mm. then you start to question everything and everyone around you. And it's easy to get in a bit of a um, sort of regretful mindset of, oh, I wish I did it earlier, as you said, um, as an example. But no, like be grateful that you've had that realization now. Not a lot of people are able to have the realization, it's not for everyone. But Mm. if that sort of light bulb goes off and you go, holy shit. Don't get overwhelmed, just start making small changes. Yeah. Change your inner self-talk, change who you're hanging around with, change what you're doing in your day-to-day or start something new. Then the ball rolls because if that didn't happen to us, you'd still be a midwife. I I would still think that I needed to work in an office when, again, there's nothing wrong with working in an office, but it's just not my personality and full potential. So roll with that as well and know that, hey, it's okay if someone else isn't doing it because you have to pave your own path there. And it's new. You're the one with the shovel digging. Okay. No one has done it before. So you actually can't copy anyone when you are paving your own path. So just recognize that it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. That's how you know you're going the right way when no one else has done it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the scariest things about paving your own path is that exact thing. Like usually when it comes to anything profound. It's the thing that makes us scared that is actually the thing that is we need to lean into. Like it's the thing that frightens us that we need. It sucks. It's like, oh, this is so annoying that like I don't have any blueprint Like, I don't have mentors because no one's been here. Like, no one's done it this way. And then you get in that like thing. Cause I've definitely had that being like, oh, if no one's done it, maybe it's not a good idea as well. Like, maybe there's a reason why no one's done it. You sort of get in this mentality. And there is a million good ideas in the world, but like 999,000 never happen. Right. Because of that mindset. Like, oh, if it was, it could have been done, it would have been done. We've heard that old mentality and that needs to go Mm -hmm. because. You know, think about how old even things like Zuma or Uber, like those things are recent. And look at them now. Like they are just new ideas that have come to life. And something I wanted to sort of touch on, like even with books, a big book that I read, um, it's, it was something along the lines of like the top five regrets of the dying. Um, it was a, oh, wow. written by a, um, a palliative care nurse. And she sort of goes through like the five lessons that she learned from working with pal- in palliative care, is obviously where you go to die pretty much, where if you've got cancer, been being palliated um, and all of it was pretty much around like you know regrets of time not taking opportunities like friends and family all of those sort of things and that's something that like when I got to that fork in the road and I had to make a choice that was something I was like in five to ten years time would I regret this decision the answer was like yes if I didn't do this I probably would regret it because I would either one regret not knowing the possibility. Um, or two, like I would regret not having just taken it and gone for it. Right. And it's really important to ask yourself those hard questions because when you get to like paving your own path or you know, choosing a tough decision or going for it, you're always going to have that little piece of you that doesn't want to. It's a little bit scared because it doesn't know the outcome. And that's just uncertainty. That's just excitement. That's just like when things really do come to life. And I think it's important to remind yourself that because to stand out, you have to have a point of difference. I am sorry. Like a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there, but that's what it freaking takes. And that's why not a lot of people get to it right it's because not many people want to and that's okay like if if people don't want to do that you don't have to but wishing for something that you're not willing to do the work for fuck that's wasted energy like you may as well just be really good at the job that you're doing rather than like having regret because that shit's heavy um you need to be able to be like content with you know what I gave that my all and that's how I want to die like I hope it's a long way away but I want to know that's like yeah you know what like maybe things didn't go exactly the way I thought I would but at least I gave it a shot you know, yep. I could I could die comfortably, rest in peace knowing that I've done that.
0: Yeah, very graphic there. No, RIP. <laughs> no, yes. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you're spot on. You don't want to have those regrets. And um, a story came to mind. You know, have you heard of the four-minute mile? How that like there was no one could run a mile in under four minutes. No one. Mm. Everyone tried. And I'm pretty sure it was in the 50s. And then finally. Someone cracked that world record and he got it, you know, just under four minutes. Mm. What do you think happened after that? Everyone else started yep. beating that record as well because they had that belief that it could be done. It just took that one person and then the chain of events and, and it all happened, you know. It, it's, mm. it's really crazy. So don't underestimate the power of self-belief, whether you're leading the charge and you do notice if you do do something different, people start to do the same you know, um, and, and it does follow on there. But, yeah, self-belief is massive. It, yeah, pretty cool um way of thinking as well.
1: Mm. And, you know, I would have had to show up in a lot of areas, even thinking about flying. Imagine the Wright brothers. They were told they were True. crazy, right? Like and the first time you go to plan, jump off cliff, crash, go again, go again. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of these things, like they didn't seem possible, but you really do have to believe. And I think a lot of people as well that are very, like, left hemisphere brain driven where they just love data and analytics they can find a hard time doing that um and i know this because like i'm the opposite very much like visionary and Luke's data and what you have to realize is like data is always in the past when you're looking at data it's been done like data is tracking things that have happened so if you're always digging down in the data and going oh based off the data like no one's done this hasn't you know these are our stats this is our rate blah 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 if you're getting too caught up in the data and you don't have that visionary piece where you can really separate yourself and go actually I don't Rely on demand. I create it. Or like you know, I don't make money. I I I don't earn money. I make it. Like if you don't have these sort of visionary aspects where you can really separate yourself from you know what's been done, what you've done, past experiences, things that have happened before, it's gonna be really difficult to actually have the confidence to be able to come forward and and be confident in the thing that you want to do because that's also really important as well. Like if you're gonna stand out, like and you're gonna pave a path and you're gonna bring a new offer, a new service, a new brand, a new business and new voice, new energy, you have to be certain in it because people can smell uncertainty. People can sniff out people that are inauthentic and don't have confidence behind, you know, what they're offering or doing.
0: Absolutely. And that authenticity piece is always the backbone of everything because, you know, you can climb to the top on lies and, you know, treating people badly, but you're not going to stay there. Either people will find you out or you'll crumble yourself because it's exhausting always wearing a mask and trying to be someone else. But we do understand that it comes from confidence. So when you are. You know, trying to be your authentic self out there, start small, start in a way that is slightly comfortable for you. And then the magnitude grows. You know, you and I didn't start off exposing everything about ourselves from the get go. It's like, no, we became confident in who we are and our message. And then this is what is to come as well. So, yeah, the authenticity piece is massive just because we're all getting so smart and we can all definitely realize. And Tune into our intuition. Do I feel connected to this person? Yes or mm-hmm. no. If you're not connected, they're not going to get a bar of you, you know. So people are definitely uh, recognizing that connection.
1: Mm, Oh, absolutely. Connection is so important. And I think, um, especially like in a digital world, like how do you be more connected with others? Like how can you really like connect with your people, your audience? Cause it can feel hard sometimes. And I know as well, like if you don't have that connection, it becomes really taxing to sort of show up on, on platforms. And, you know, you're always worried about the follower account, like, People, followers are people and if you think of it like that you know 500 followers is a fucking lot like think of 500 people in a room like that's a lot how can you actually allow yourself to be more connected um, and connect with those individuals on a deeper level it's it's really hard online it's easy in person and that's why I think for not easy I shouldn't say easy it's easier um, and that's why I say to people you know online's a hard space you know you should probably nail communication and connection and all those things in real life. And, you know, Danny, both are, both me and you have done that, especially in different industries as well. And I think once you can master that, you can bring those online because it just, it complicates things when you have to do it behind a screen.
0: Yeah. And there's a large correlation, you know, people's skills and then how it's live And a lot of it just comes from Um, listening, holding space. But Mm. then if we're in a position where we're delivering content, don't do it in an aggressive way or dismissive way. The same um, social skills that we take in everyday life should be portrayed on social media. And I would love to see less of that, you know, in the year ahead, there's been a lot of dismissive um, messages out there, what not to do. Mm. I'd love to see that disappear and, and just give more advice on what to do or what has worked for me and is a suggestion from me. It's never always black and white, but um, people are starting to get sick of that because it doesn't feel nice to view or to listen to uh, where other people slam other methods or humans, actual humans Um, Because there are humans behind that screen and you don't want to fall for that just to get likes because it's a very hard reputation to undo if you just build a brand based off hurtful traits. I, I really don't like it. 100%
1: 100% and we all have those thoughts we all think like oh that's shit or that doesn't work or you know that person's coaching sucks we all have those thoughts
0: right we're allowed I to- hope not it's not that <laughs> to what level
1: <laughs> well I mean if you know that someone's not doing a very good job like if someone's yeah, doing yeah, a disservice to a nice their clients person. like you said call out culture yeah um, call out culture you know if you see things that you don't agree with and you're like oh that diet doesn't work it's a shit mentality or whatever mm. it might be and like you said it's it's easy to call things out. So easy to do it. What's hard is actually... Like not calling out the person, but like educating people on why it's not a good idea. That's tricky. That takes creativity, right? And that's, that's I hope, what's going to stand out. Because I know call out culture, it's easy and people are like, ooh, and they watch and then that reinforces the <laughs> algorithm and then it goes yeah. round and round in circles. But, yeah, as I said, you've got to think reputation. You've got to think when people think. Like I want people to feel like inspired, confident, connected, like, those words don't align with me getting on the internet and like ragging down on such and such as protocol. Like that doesn't help. Like you can be open though, and you can be expressive in your beliefs. I think that's super important because you need to have firm beliefs. Like you know, if you don't believe in shred challenges, like you can say that. It's not your uh, responsibility to filter what triggers other people that do certain things, right? There's going to be people out there that believe in keto because they've got amazing results and they can. not But it doesn't mean you have to. And it also doesn't mean that you have to change your messaging based on that. Like you can still have your messaging because you're not speaking to them. And that comes back to that follower mentality sort of, you know, trying to niche down and refine your audience. And if they don't like you, good, Because (laughs) they shouldn't be following your content. You're not actually speaking to them. You want to speak to the people that you can help. You will never help them and you can't help them. So really being clear. um, That's actually what's going to help you build genuine connections, right? As well, like Mm. being really clear um, and yeah, like just being open with it.
0: Yeah. And what also has been coming up a lot is people speaking from an authoritative place, which great work for getting out there for, for getting on the screen and sharing your message, but don't jump the gun. You gain natural authority from your actions. Mm. So if you've never like done a diet or you haven't really like trained well or whatever you're promoting, or like you mentioned earlier, if you haven't really had life experience, you haven't gained the right to have that authority. So, try not to jump the gun just because you might be following a lot of people who do sit in front of a microphone like us and talk about our experience and all that. Like you and I were in the trenches for years, Sherelle. We earned the right to talk about our experience because it got us an outcome that we're comfortable on promoting. You know, we got on stage countless times. We've helped hundreds and thousands of clients get results that they want. Like I would have hated to have pretended at the start. And you just feel gross about it. People, the proof is in the pudding. People want to see the proof. Prove to me that you can actually talk about the topic and it will just be so much nicer for you. It's actually so fun to have your own goal and, you know, work towards that and overcome the struggles and people want to see that first because then you use those struggles for your story. You and I always talk about where we came from and what went right, what went wrong, but we use that as our story in life to say, hey, we came from here, we're here now. We didn't just wake up in this position where we are and it's not the end position. We've got so much more learning to go. We've got so many more mistakes to make. Come along for the ride. And I feel like people are just definitely missing that. They're not really putting themselves out there. They're just copying other people, or they're opening a textbook and just reciting that. Do Mm. the work yourself, guys. It's just so much nicer. I would hate to be the person on the other side who just feels like they're lying almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't last as well. Like I said, if you actually want to be here in three to five years' time, like I can't remember the stats, but it's like 90% of startups fail, something ridiculous like that. So if you want to be in that 10%, the thing that they do is they actually remove that authority hat because you don't start with it anyways, right? Like you don't start with experience and authority. You start inexperienced. And I think what people would probably feel more aligned with doing, yes, it's more vulnerable work, but you'll probably feel more comfortable and confident is delivering the struggle as you go through it rather than like oh back then you know (laughs) like we we do this now because like we genuinely even did it when we're going through the struggles like I was wearing the waist trainers like showing you guys oh, this is I mean, scary, right like we all went through struggles um we all went through low periods and I think a lot of people keep that to themselves and then they are happy to share it once they're out the other side which is so fine like I said that's the majority and I don't want to ever tell people to do things that they generally feel uncomfortable and push people into an uncomfortable place but I'm just saying this is actually what makes p- people connect with you because they recognize you're human um and like even when I first started like coaching, a lot of my clients that are still with me today, uh, they were following me back then. They know I did stupid shit. Right? <laughs> I don't care because I learned. Like, I can yeah. confidently say I've freaking tried everything. And like, I wear that right. pride. I'm like, I've tried everything, guys. Don't, it doesn't work. So don't do it. Like, I can confidently say that. And you can hear it because I'm just confident about it. Right. Whereas if you haven't, you don't know, like you're slamming keto, you've never done it. Why? Do you know what I mean? Like if you read it from a paper, because I'm not saying people to go out and do keto, but I'm just saying (laughs) that own your struggles, own your stories. The lessons that got you to where you are are what the people behind you need to learn. And the people from behind you that need to learn, they're the ones that are going to be your clients, not the one percenters, not the people that are five years ahead of you. Be inspired by them, but you're not speaking to them. And something like I always do is like, You know, I audit my content and I think, could a third grader understand this? Like this is really simple because I'm not speaking to physios or I'm not speaking to that clientele. So your language needs to match your brand, your vision, what you're doing, the authority that you want. Um, And sometimes authority isn't a good thing either, right? Like you don't want to have too much authority over your clients because then they just become a bit submissive to sort of what you're doing. You want to be able to relatable. You want them to come to you when they're struggling and share their stories and and ask for help and feel comfortable to do it. So it's important to not get too hell bent on um, some of these things because they're going to be flexible and fluent depending on who you are, what you're doing as well.
0: Yeah. And you definitely do hear it a lot where people are like, yeah, but it's easy for you because X, Y, Z. So if you've actually um you know portrayed or or shown your struggles then it removes people's excuses they go holy shit I can relate to to their Mm. before photo wow I wonder what they did to get there like how did they do that or man that was a shit squat my squat looks like that right now but now I have hope that it doesn't always have to be like Mm. that so you don't want to appear to be an absolute train wreck. Obviously, have your shit together, guys. Like, But if there are, are relatable struggles, then don't be afraid to share them either in real time or if, if it's not safe enough for you, in hindsight, because people always put others on a pedestal and go it's easy for them because of their genetics or it's easy for them because they were born into money or some bullshit story that they make up Mm. um, to excuse them from never getting the goal but if you say hey no actually like I started pretty similar to you then they can't do that and it's very inspiring and again you've gotten from A to B people that's what you're selling people they're like how Mm. do I get from A to B in my own way so Yeah. yeah massive piece
1: Yeah, and I think if you're listening to this as well, we all need to recognise our own privilege. You know, we've got access to the internet, we've got headphones on, we've got a phone, we've got apps. Like recognise your own privilege. You have nothing more or less than someone else who's doing 10 times better than you. Um, The work ethic piece and the consistency is the only difference and that hurts people because they Mm -hmm. don't want to be insulted by character. No one has anything more or less, right? It's really important. We all have privileges. Um, Being born in a Western country is a frigging, privilege, right? And I think when you humble yourself with these things, you go, okay, like I have actually access to way more than what I think. Even if you told people 20 years ago that you could post online free marketing and not have to pay a cent like they wouldn't believe that my dad used to have to pay for the yellow pages you know so it's about (laughs) recognizing that we have so it's the best time to be alive it's the best time to be in business it's the best time to be a coach and a trainer like better than ever before so it's it's you know you've got the opportunity now like if, if you come up with those excuses you're not making it like you're not if you go oh well I can't because too bad you've already lost because you've already convinced yourself that you're at a disadvantage and we already spoke earlier like we have to be in the power position to know that we're going to succeed because when you get punched in the face and it's only the second time out of nine uh, you need to be able to stand back up and know that you have still got more fuel in the tank to keep going.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's a massive point of difference between the people who are successful and not. Like, Mm -hmm. most people stop after one or two punches. The others just keep hustling. They try something different. Okay, that didn't work the first time. Wow, that sucks. As you said, sit in it for a tiny bit, then get over it. Okay, do I have to work on my mindset? Do I have to work on my processes? Do I need to learn some more skills? Like, Just get proactive like people sit in their misery for way too long. It's so easy to play the victim but that's fine if you want that for your whole life. It doesn't have to be that way, okay? Take the punches, feel like shit but then get proactive about it. Mm. Um, And the fitness industry is booming. As you said, there's social media now, free marketing, free advertising, a lot more people know about the gym Um, and you do hear, oh, but it's saturated saturation in an industry is a great thing it means there's interest there's demand people's eyes are on it that's what you actually want it is a massive advantage to be in a saturated industry but that's what people will always want people will focus a lot more on their health and wellness. And I feel the trend's definitely rising. We've spoken about after lockdown, people are so much more aware about their health, but we're actually getting a lot smarter as well about what goes into our body, our mind, how we move. Um, So use that to your advantage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, you've just got to be willing to sort of, take the punches and roll with it and move with it. And I think, you know, you've got to be able to hype yourself up and and motivate yourself because the fact that it's saturated, as you said, Danny, it's a really good thing and it ain't getting any less saturated either. And something else to keep in mind is like such a low entry point for the health and fitness industry. Like anyone can be all of a sudden, I mean, like I won't, I'm reliving this as I think about it, but going on someone's profile the other day and them saying they're an online coach and just like knowing that they should be so far from an online coach, mm. like it's so it's so prevalent. It's like oh, like I don't even know why it should be allowed, but it's sort of like it's unregulated. It's low entry for um, you know, low entry point. You can get your freaking cert three in fitness from a cereal box these days. Like it's it's really <laughs> easy. And I, I say this,
0: <clears throat> you're right,
1: to amp you guys up because. This it's saturated of shit. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of crap coaches out there. And my business model as well is sort of like, I actually don't want clients coming to me for the first time. They go through all yeah. the challenges, all the crap, all the shitty coaching, and then they go, Oh, okay, you get what you pay for. If I <clears throat> if I want good, I need a higher good. Yeah. It's important to have that mentality for your own business too.
0: Exactly right. And don't be scared if you're an online coach to refer to face-to-face because you're going to get these new people coming to you and they will expect the world of you. But it's a whole nother ball game taking on a client um, for the first time online. They are so new. So direct them somewhere else. And I think that's great because... <laughs> you know to use the words there are a lot of crap coaches out there you're right you're right because people are taking advantage of the industry they're taking advantage of vulnerable people and that's really not nice um so so just be mindful as a new client but then also a new coach have that initial conversation first and just be smart people will try and sell you the dream a lot mm. of the ch- time the dream's bullshit if it sounds too fluffy and amazing and that your whole world's going to change and rainbows and unicorns will come every time you take a step it's not going to happen it's it's about okay what are the basics and we'll start there and and don't be afraid to the coaches to just deliver the basics and deliver them well okay but if it's outside your scope you can refer out to but um i think a lot of people want to jump ahead and that's, that's a big theme and a big problem. They're jumping ahead. They're jumping mm. ahead. Um, there's always going to be a specific type of client for you. Uh, you just have to figure out what that looks like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I mentioned, the fitness industry is a low entry point because a lot of people getting into it, they sort of love training themselves. So they think I'll do this as a, as a profession. And that's like number one mistake. You know, I like chocolate. I shouldn't become like a chocolate maker. That Man, would be horrible. I would eat, eat all the chocolate, right? You see this <laughs> all the time. They're just more worried about their own training than their clients. So it's important to understand, like it's a low entry point. Um, and the people that usually come in, like they're not very business smart either. And that's like, I know, like a, a generalization, but I'm just saying the type of person like, like trainers and, and things like that usually aren't like the interested in business and learning about systems and processes and data and all that sort of stuff as well. So one way to stand out is, is just, by being in the game for longer, right? And one of the yeah. best ways to be in the game for longer is to make whatever business you're running or whatever service you're offering sustainable. Like how can you make sure that you're here in five to 10 years' time? Because I am so sick of people being like, oh, I turned over a million dollars. It's like how much of that's profit? It's like how much is still there? Is it just a once-off? Are they reoccurring? Are they going to be paying month by month? Or is that just all the money and now, you've, you know, you've got at risk of losing your business in a couple of months' time? Because that's the reality, right? Like, yeah. Nothing's impressive unless it repeats, in my opinion, in the business world. Needs to be sustainable, needs to be consistent, needs to not be taking up 100 hours of your time every week. So it's really important to put your business hat on, like if you're a new coach and be like, okay, cool. Like I will always be getting better at what I'm doing from a coaching lens. Don't pour 95% of your time, energy, resources, and learning into that because That's important, but you're always going to put the energy into it just by sheer um, repetition of doing the work and showing up and training yourself and training clients. Make sure that you're thinking about longevity with what you're doing as well, sustainability, self-care, systemizing, hiring, delegating, refining, all those things, niche marketing, social media, communication. All the stuff, that's business, right? And that's what's going to make you stand out amongst the rest that are so fixated on the perfect cue in their gym or like filming content just to boost their own ego, whatever (laughs) it might be. You see it all the time, right? It's like get a bit more savvy with your communication, your systemizing because it's only going to make you a better coach because you're not going to be burnt out, you're not going to have a scarcity mindset and you're not going to be worried about your business. You're going to feel really secure and stable.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one thing being a coach, but another thing being a business owner. And you've just listed out, you know, just a small amount of what actually goes on when owning your own business. It's a lot of numbers data. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because you can be and you see it in the industry people who aren't the best coaches or or humans but they're just so good at business that they're making a killing like we're all consumers of marketing whether inside or out our industry so we just have to um really pay attention to am i falling for really good and clever marketing because it's super powerful, right? We all need to know it, but then we also need to be mindful of what we're consuming. But at the end of the day, everything is sales and people hate that word just because of stereotypes or they feel like the word sales is correlated to ripping people off. Like you see the cartoons or the movies of used salesmen or um, how to trick people and manipulate. And we've spoken about this many times before, but in order to stand out, you have to get over that. Know that, hey, I am helping someone's life. Therefore, we need an exchange in the form of currency. That's what a service is. And If you don't feel comfortable about that scenario, if you've got problems about asking for money or if you're doubting your abilities, then of course they're going to doubt paying you and it's not going to happen. And on a subconscious level, we shut off new clients coming in the door. It's, it's you know, where our focus goes, that's where the exchange happens. And if you feel open and ready and comfortable, and you've got your sales processes and and how you accept payment and the language around it, if you've got that nailed, you'll be taking on clients and just feeling so good about the process. But if there's a part of that where you just feel a bit icky about whether it be the language you use, you don't actually know what debit system to use or you're you're running around chasing payments but you don't want to be that annoying person, and it will fall to shit and it is just a big mess. So sales isn't a bad thing. You can sell an incredible service and have your life changed and there's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, there are, and we have been talking about sort of the recession that's coming, but there are still people who, who have money. Money is endless for for people and out there. It's just, I'm trying to say it, but also being mindful to not deter from what is happening in the economy, but it's not limited. You know what I mean? Maybe some people right in this moment, they can't afford coaching and that's, that's okay. And sorry, you know, we're all going through hardship, but then you're still going to have the people that really need it. They might be in a super amount of physical pain, or they really want to change their life, they're going to do everything they can to pay for your coaching. So yeah, try to explore if you feel a bit weird about that sign on process, sales process and money as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's a hard one for a lot of people to overcome because a lot of people don't like selling because they aren't very good at it. Like you said, they feel a little bit insecure. They're uncomfortable having the conversation. Um, But I've never known anyone that's good at something that doesn't like it right like we we enjoy the things that we're good at so if you can be really comfortable in being like I can deliver this person the result. Like if you're really comfortable in that, you're going to be like wanting to give them the opportunity to work with you. Um, And a lot of people have that sort of limiting belief about spending money on themselves. Um, And this is a conversation that I have a lot, you know, especially with like mothers or whatever it might be. They don't want to invest in themselves. But whenever we're making an investment, it does feel uncomfortable. Like it's always going to feel like we're stretching a little bit. That's the way it should feel. I don't know if anyone's brought a house or a car or anything. You're like, this hurts a little bit. Right? <laughs> and it's not until hindsight that you can be like, that was worth every cent, right? Where like you get a lot of value from it. We always get that in hindsight. So we have to just know that that's a part of the um a selling process. Like if you're not stretched a little bit, I don't know, it's- Probably like too easy. It's, and they also show as well, like people that actually spend more money, they're more invested in the actual outcome as well. Cause we go, I don't want to waste my money. I spend all this money. I better do the work. And that's really a big part of it. I think people spend like, you know, 60 bucks on these six week challenges and they just waste $60 to me. I'm like, that's that you're actually just wasting money getting stuck in the challenge loop going round and round in circles. So, you know, you've really got to put your money where you want longevity. And I'm always about longevity in everything. Like I said, I'm not spending money on something that doesn't give me a long lasting result. Because what's the freaking point? Like, I would rather invest in three solid weeks of coaching that I can actually learn something from and implement for the rest of my life than 12 weeks on a challenge that I learn nothing. I get a PDF. I find the program boring. It's not very good, anyways. I just don't do it because that's actually the definition of wasting money. So we make the definitions by what it is. And as you mentioned, Danny, yes, like some people can't afford coaching, but you can't afford to downsell yourself because you won't show up with the enthusiasm and the excitement and the motivation um, that's required to deliver a really good service. So it's really important to understand you can't afford to downsell your prices. Um, it's not your responsibility as well. If people really want coaching, they'll come back when they can afford it. Uh, and that's usually the conversation like, I understand this isn't probably something that you can do at the moment. Like I look forward to working with you in the future um, when it is you know, a priority and you can afford it in amongst your life. So yeah, yep. really important to get over that fact.
0: Exactly. If you market yourself correctly and, you know, with our podcast, people get to know us. And if you form genuine connections, it doesn't actually feel like sales. No. Um, I've done multiple sales work and sales course in the past and a lot didn't, sit right with me because it felt like I had to convince people to work with Mm. me and I'm like that feels like absolute shit hey like why would you convince someone to work with you but but then in hindsight it's if they're not ready then they don't actually see the value in your product or you know there's a few different reasons but Mm. if they truly feel like yep now's the right time I know this person I know what I'm gonna get then it won't actually feel like sales so telling the person the price shouldn't be a problem. If you tell the person the price, then there's, you know, a few different things that you as the salesperson, and I will use these terms because that's what it is. That's what you need to improve on. They now might not be the right time, as you said, or maybe they don't actually understand who you are, what you do. So it should get to a point where the sales aren't forced. And if they say it's too expensive, then you can say, that's okay. Like it is what it is. You don't say but blah, 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 blah. You know, it is what it is. There's so many other people that will pay for your product and we've all signed on the wrong person. Like Mm. it costs so much more time, energy, money working with someone that you know, you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have signed them on um, for, for whatever reason. So it's okay if people say no. Or if you say, actually, maybe this isn't right for you, but I can direct you in a way that might actually help you, it's just much better of an experience. So it's not the worst thing in the world if someone says, oh, it's a bit too expensive because that person mm. might be the one who does just want a shitty service, an eight-week yeah. challenge, or they haven't actually learned the benefit of your beautiful coaching yet. So not you're not going to be able to please everyone. Mm. So try not to get too upset on the occasional no, if everyone is saying no, use that data to reflect, okay, what changes do I need to make there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, like, yeah, you're going to learn your own data of your own sort of like conversions and what normally comes through as well, which is going to help. But I like to sort of go into sales calls as actually like interviews. That's the way I sort of frame it. Like it's an interview because I'm sort of like, I don't know if I can help you yet. And that's the way I sort of go on the call being like, I want to be 100% certain that if I say, yes, this is for you, I know it's for you. And then if you decide it's not, that's 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 a, like, I don't know, I feel bad for you because I'm sort of like, oh, like I thought I could I could definitely help you, you know. So if you go in rather than being like I'm trying to sell people in, um, rather than I'm just trying to see if there's an alignment, if there's a fit. Yeah. If what I can do can help, um, it's gonna be so much more authentic for you then to be able to actually make the transaction at the end because you've aligned yourself with it rather than going in and putting expectations on yourself and the other person as well. You're really interviewing, ask more questions. You know, we have two ears for a reason and one mouth for a reason. So like really listen to people, connect with them. And if they feel that alignment too, like it's it's actually out of your hands or what happens afterwards. Like, don't they take things personally if you've done everything that you can um and you generally can. Can deliver on what you're sort of saying like it will come through if it will and I'm a big believer in that being like everything happens for a reason like if it's not meant to be it won't be like it's really important to sort of get that otherwise again the punches they hurt so much more
0: yeah and leave that nice experience with someone if you do part ways because as you mentioned like now might not be the right time but they might come back later hey 100%. remember me someone so like they do come back so mm. just be a good person with that and don't be forceful um or don't think that you have to be forceful because you really don't think of it as an interview as you said um and just get your your sign-on processes really schmick like don't have too many loopholes and too many mm. steps because people just drop out Yep. Um, make it easy for them make it easy for you don't make it awkward it doesn't have to be awkward guys and be freaking proud of the service that you're delivering so mm. think of it you know whoever signs on with me their world's about to be changed like it's okay really just have those thoughts absolutely I congratulate people <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, you should be proud of yeah. like being able to welcome in because you know the change you're about to create Right, and again, this is when you build confidence in yourself because you know you've done the work, you've got the experience, you've got the authority, you've got all the the people behind you that are backing up that what you're doing is really good. And then you you enter those conversations with pride, and people can feel it; they can feel the aura of confidence. And a lot of this stuff, again, a lot of the things that are going to make you stand out in the fitness industry, they're not spoken words. And I think that's why it's so hard to articulate some of this stuff, like what's going to make you stand out, because it's got nothing to do with what you say. Um, It's all about what you do and how you portray what you actually do.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So when, you know, it is January now, take on our tips on board. You know, you don't have to do everything, but always lean into that self-reflection. Okay, what what limiting beliefs are coming up for me? What do I need to work on? Um, Am I scaling too much or do I have these doubts about signing people on? You know, Mm. am I trying to copy other people? Am I losing my authenticity? There's so many things that you can just try and focus on turn inwards and then just really get out there and make those solid connections um which is a really really important piece because they are humans at the end of the day and it's not just about how many numbers you know you're you're dealing with real life humans so really honor that and that'll help as a foundation yeah well said, well said. Thanks.
1: Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We we do hope that this, um you know, aligns with the right person and, you know, if you're a coach out there or you're a personal trainer or if you're really in any industry, it's all exactly the same, to be honest, when it comes to sort of standing out, making a mark, paving your own path. Um, it all follows the same principles. They're not just specific to the fitness industry except for the January thing, that might be um, just in our era. But yeah, if you did enjoy the episode, as always, make sure that you take a screenshot, um, share it on your story or send it to someone uh, that you think needs to hear the message. Thanks, everyone.